back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm Sabrina and this is I Love Basketball. Today we are joined by special guest Hani Amadian from Lakers Outsiders. What's uh, up? Super excited to get on here. Um, I think the only time I've ever been on a Silver Screen and Roll podcast was with Harrison where we had to record twice because he screwed up the intro so you're already doing better than him and uh, <laughs> it's making me a lot more excited. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's first podcast ends up being with Harrison. It's, a rite of passage. it's kind of like a <laughs> initiation, yes, to being on the Silver Screen Roll Network. He's our our boss in so many different ways. All right, so kind of a boring game for the Lakers the other day against Orlando. I don't know about yeah. you. Was it my favorite game to watch, especially yeah, after that first I know. quarter? No, I was I was super excited during the first quarter because I was like, all right, like by the second half, I won't have to worry about anything. I will barely have to tweet from the LO account, and people won't care. And then they went and made it way uglier than it needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of a strange thing about this Lakers team. Like I thought, once the Lakers got good, there'd be so many more things to talk about. And yet, the fact that they're so good yeah. kind of negates yeah, that. Absolutely. <laughs> like I don't know how much there is to say. And oh, really good team decides to just uh, mess around in the second half in Orlando. You know. Yeah. That's just what really good teams it's tend to do, like, I suppose. At this point, the most interesting thing is seeing LeBron post on his Instagram literally 10 minutes before tip-off because he's just not taking team seriously anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, he posted with exactly, uh, Will yeah. Smith, right? That feels more like a pre-Miami Heat game post, not so much Orlando yeah. Magic. But yeah, we haven't seen a lot today yeah, about, yeah. about what they're doing in Miami other than brunch, <laughs> but... Uh, Oh, yes, brunch. It was very nice that the rookie got invited. Always good to see Taylor. Uh, I saw Phil Handy was on a a boat ride in Miami. I don't know if anybody else got invited, but I think he was alone. (laughs) It's funny because, uh, so I follow a lot of Lakers and Clippers on Instagram, and, like, the Clippers just landed in Minnesota, (laughs) and they're all just complaining, like, bloody murder about how cold it is there. And then you see, obviously, Phil Handy with just the (laughs) Be Your Own Goat hashtag on a yacht, apparently. (laughs) Just having the time of his life in Miami. Uh, I will say, though, given how good the Heat are this year, I don't think LeBron's going to be posting 10 minutes ahead of game time. Before yeah, I hope not. That would that be – I feel like Jimmy Butler is going to be, yeah. like, refreshing Instagram to see if that's going to happen or not, just as a little added <laughs> incentive. Yeah, Jimmy Butler went hard on Trey Young on Instagram the other day. That was uh, – I don't know if that was called for. Trey Young's just a second-year player. Just trying to enjoy what should have been a good win for Atlanta. Jimmy is the messiest player in the Poor NBA, thing. and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a – it's kind of – I don't know. I, everyone says, like, Miami is, like, a perfect match for him because he's, like, an insane work ethic and whatnot. I almost feel like he's <laughs> too messy for the Miami Heat. Like, they prefer to keep things a little bit more Probably, yeah. tight-knit. Uh, I don't know. It's it's only been 25 games. I'm sure something could blow up for Jimmy Butler at some point or another, but we're not rooting for obviously. it. We're obviously not rooting for it. Uh, okay, so the Lakers pretty good, 22 and three. Uh, I think probably exceeding even our highest expectations for where they would be at this point yeah, in the season. Yeah. I, I, right? 
<laughs> I think I told yeah. most people that I expected the Lakers to be the number four seed, and they're kind of running away with the top seed right now. So I think I think they're they're doing okay. <laughs> they're doing okay, <laughs> and they're doing so good that you know we have these arguments being made for Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Frank Vogel won Coach of the Month for October, November. I'm sure if the Lakers win enough games, Coach of the Year is going to be something that's in consideration. But what I wanted to talk about today is MVP. So the Lakers have two pretty solid MVP candidates in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time deciding, like, if I were the Lakers social media, who right. would you be promoting as the Lakers MVP candidate? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's really interesting because, like you said, they're both they've both been so good, and I think um, they've done it in different ways. Uh, so LeBron's obviously been basically the point guard for the team um, and doing things that he hasn't done in his 17 year career, which is kind of incredible to say, considering how amazing he is. Um, AD's really been the anchor of the defense, and, and his offense has uh, really come into his own recently. Um, and he obviously has he, he probably has a crazier stat lines he gets the 50 point games, the 40 point games LeBron's kind of been chilling on the scoring at somewhat um, yeah he still exactly. gets the triple doubles um, though but yeah so I think you know going back to your question I think the MVP for the team is still LeBron um, just based on well for the number one thing is that Anthony Davis, I think, is basically a shoe-in for defensive player of the year at, at this point. Like, I think he's okay. he's got the numbers, he's got the impact, he's got the narrative of like, hey, he's in LA now and he's playing the best uh, ball of his career. Yeah. So I think they kind of need to do <laughs> have a different player for MVP if the, if they are going to be doing that sort of thing. And I, I think numbers-wise, it kind of makes sense too. Like, AD puts up crazy stats, but the team. Um, when LeBron sits, still hasn't been very good. Uh, as as amazing as they are at twenty two and three, and like like we said, it's a lot of nitpicking. But um, so mm-hmm. anytime they're on the court with Anthony Davis, but with LeBron sitting, they're actually their net rating is negative three point four. So that's not very good at all. Um, on the other hand, when LeBron's playing and AD is sitting there at uh, positive fifteen point three, so that's. Like that's a that's a big enough jump for me to be like, yeah, I think LeBron, even in year seventeen, with like not really always trying, I think he's still the MVP of the team. That's so strange to me that it's such a large gap because I mean, I wonder if part of it is just that Anthony Davis had some pretty shaky lineups around him when LeBron yeah, sat I, to start the season. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of mm-hmm. it. And uh, especially like with injuries kind of playing a toll now that he Anthony Davis is the guy who's playing in those lineups with like three point guards mm-hmm. that can't really defend and all that. So I think <laughs> that's definitely part of it. But I think it's still such a massive jump that <laughs> like it, and the other thing is LeBron is the really the only playmaker on the team other than Rondo, however you feel about him. So he's like his it's more necessary to the team for LeBron to be playing than Anthony Davis. That feels like a weird thing to say. <laughs> I mean, it's, they're all weird things to say, right? Like when you're comparing Anthony Davis to LeBron yeah. James, it's they're so stylistically different, right? Like LeBron is the play creator and then Anthony Davis is the play finisher. And I almost feel like so much of their value is contained in the fact that like how complementary they are towards one another. Like, yeah. like you said, LeBron is having some of the best statistical totals of his career and 
that's because of Anthony Davis. That's not because of mm-hmm. anybody else on this roster. Like, I don't think JaVale McGee is the reason that LeBron's averaging over 10 assists a game because he was there last yeah. year, right? Like, he's played with rim-running yeah. centers like Chris Anderson before, or, you know, Tristan Thompson in Cleveland. I I think Anthony Davis has to get a lot of the credit for how good LeBron has looked statistically. And I also think Anthony Davis kind of gets the credit for just motivating LeBron. Like, we saw Mm -hmm. what LeBron looked like when he had to shepherd all of those kids last year, and it wasn't peak LeBron, right? Like, we were all waiting through Christmas for LeBron to flip that switch, for him to turn it on and engage into that super destroyer mode that we're all so familiar with after those eight consecutive finals runs. And I think Anthony Davis' presence, more than anything, sort of inspires LeBron to be even more valuable than we thought he was going to be in year 18 of his career. So... From an intangible perspective, I understand LeBron is like the nominal leader on the court, but every time like the front office or, you know, Frank Vogel talks about the team's leaders, it's always Anthony and LeBron. You know, it's never one or the other. It's a combination of the two. And yeah. it's funny, I'm actually working on a column right now, which hopefully will be published by the time this podcast runs, <laughs> about who I think makes the better case between Davis and LeBron. And like Harrison was suggesting sort of a co-MVP kind of thing, because I mean, for me, I I have a hard time splitting hairs because, yeah, so Anthony Davis is the defensive player of the year. Like, that's that's the path we're pushing him along. But defense is half the game, right? Maybe a little less than half the way that offenses work in the NBA at this point. But if he's that much more clearly ahead of LeBron on one end of the floor, shouldn't that take a little more precedent? Like, (laughs) the fact that he's inspiring LeBron to play defense, like, shouldn't that mean something? (laughs) I, I was going to say, I think the the biggest case for Anthony Davis to be the MVP of the team is the fact that before the season even started, he said, I'm challenging LeBron to make an all-NBA defensive yeah. team, which everybody kind of laughed at. But now LeBron's playing the best defense he has, at least in the regular season, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, over the last three, four years or something I'd say like at that. least dating back to Miami. Yeah, uh, and, and it's been a huge part of this team. And the other part of it is that... Uh, as much as the offense has really caught up to their defense uh, throughout the season, I think their um, the real identity of the team is still on the defensive end. Um, I think their best stretches come when they're really uh, stopping teams on one mm-hmm. end and getting out in transition and, and um, you know affecting the game that way. So I think, like you said, AD's impact on defense is much larger than LeBron's, even though LeBron is playing really good defense this year. Um, so I think there is a case to be made th- that – because that's what the team really hangs his hat mm-hmm. on and because of how he's kind of impacted all the other players and, and how they defend that, you know, yeah, you could make the point, the argument that AD is the MVP for that reason. Yeah, it's strange. So the Lakers are currently, what, fourth in offensive rating and fourth in defensive rating. So, yeah. it's. I mean, obviously we, we like to think that the Lakers hang their hat on defense because that's how they started the season. The offense looked like a mm-hmm. freaking train wreck. And they won those games, those first couple against, what was it, like Utah and Memphis and Charlotte, all just essentially on the backs of their defense. But so long as they're essentially an equivalent offensive and defensive team, I mean, I think we all agree that LeBron deserves the lion's share of the credit for the offense because it just looks so painful when he's not on the court. Exactly, Um, yeah. I do think part of the reason that the lineups without LeBron look worse is that Kuzma has been so bad offensively. 
And he's generally the yeah. power forward that plays with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, <laughs> it's all it's all splitting hairs because yeah. then you could make the argument that he look Kuzma looks a lot better when he's playing next to LeBron. Yeah. Um, and and LeBron really optimizes uh, the other players on offense way more than Anthony Davis does as a as a playmaker. And then Anthony Davis, you know, just covers their asses on defense, right? So exactly. It's almost yeah. like this roster was built like in LeBron's image, you know. So these players were specifically picked so that they could play next to LeBron James because it's all with that end game in mind of we need guys who can hang on the court in the playoffs with LeBron. So right. the fact that they all look better next to LeBron, I think, is by design. I don't think it's necessarily just that LeBron's having a better season than Anthony Davis. It's because they're supposed to play well next to LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue against that. <laughs> but also, we saw last year what the team tried to do with, uh, with players that don't fit uh, a LeBron team. And yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of like, yeah, you, it, LeBron being arguably the greatest player in the world mm-hmm. right now, arguably the greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of just expecting these sort of things from him. Uh, we expect him to really make his, his team better because he's done it his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for all the hashtag Wash King uh, <laughs> posts and whatnot, it's still kind of taken for granted. Um, how, like, it's it's nuts that he's leading the league in assists in, in year 17, and he's playing a full-time point guard basically for the first time in his career. Yeah, um, and he's he's the best point guard Anthony Davis has ever had, right? Like, that makes his job a yeah. lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, Anthony Davis not having to really do a lot of work offensively to get his points. Um, the, that game where he had 50, he had, I believe, 17 in the first quarter, Um I, I don't know this for a fact, but it sure as hell felt like every single one of them was on a fast break from a go-ahead pass from LeBron. So yeah. I, like, things like that kind of make... It, it's Both of them are doing this for each other, that they're mm-hmm. making things easier. Uh, AD is just an insane play finisher for LeBron mm-hmm. and an insane rim protector for any time anybody makes mistakes. And LeBron is the greatest passer in the league, and, and he can get plays for guys where they don't even see it coming. Yeah, what's so interesting, like, relative to other top five players who have shared teams, like, thinking back to Westbrook and Durant, or even, like, Durant and Curry, or I don't think Harden and Paul really fits, because Paul wasn't, like, that good at the time, but they're so complementary. Like, it's hard for me to separate Mm -hmm. what they do from each other, because, like, you can, like, I just think about those Warriors teams. Like, Durant was going to get his regardless of who was on the court. Like, Steph Curry could have been any rando 40% three-point shooter, and it wouldn't have materially affected the way Durant played in those lineups and like Steph perfectly fine without Durant on the floor like those offenses hummed like nobody's business when he runs them but the way that LeBron and Anthony Davis work I just I I feel like I keep repeating myself but I just can't take them apart from one another like they're specifically designed to work together which is why it's so hard for me to assign credit for one play versus the other like, even defensively, I feel like Anthony Davis gets almost too much credit for how good the Lakers have been. But yeah. then Annie's just, like, stupid good sometimes, the things that he does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're just um, – they're so in tune, and everything that the Lakers do well is related to both of them being there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, numbers-wise, I, I think the Lakers are technically better with only LeBron and not AD right. rather than the both of them. But obviously that isn't really true. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think it was, I actually saw this on Twitter from, I think, Tom Haberstroh, mm-hmm. where he, uh, he was basically projecting how many assists LeBron has to AD this year mm-hmm. um, over the course of a full season. And it's something like 200 more than he has with any teammate mm-hmm. ever. And that includes, you know, very talented guys like Chris Bosh, who was re- kind of a similar player to AD in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, the, they're just so meshed together and so perfectly fitting. Um, and really, almost from the start of the season, other than like AD's jumper not being very good right. and them having a million post-ups in that first game, um, they've really kind of been in tune and, and everything that they do together is what makes the Lakers really good. Yeah, that, that Haberstadt that you were talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, exactly. I looked it up again. It's it's really interesting. Like, uh, So I think the second and third most assisted combos are like Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. Obviously, Simmons is the one assisting to Tobias Harris. And then <laughs> uh, Lou Williams to Montrezl Harrell. But both of those combos have played at least 60 more minutes together than Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which, one, why aren't they playing more minutes together? Two... <laughs> It's yeah. kind of impressive that that stat still works, even though their minute total is that much lower. But yeah, I, I don't envy the voters who have to like split hairs between um, who you'd put on an MVP ballot, Anthony Davis or LeBron. I yeah. hope they don't end up just canceling out each other's votes because like, this team doesn't function without both of them. <laughs> They're both so incredibly yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah it's going to be really interesting because I think the, the MVP race like in, in the league as a whole... I think is really interesting because there's so many like different ways to make make your vote. Mm-hmm. Like there's James Harden scoring like 40 points a game, which is absurd. Uh, Giannis, yeah, Giannis is having a better year than he had last mm-hmm. year when he won MVP. Um, Luka Doncic, what he's doing in in Dallas is pretty wild. Um, before these last couple of weeks, I would have put like Pascal Siakam up there, right. but he's kind of he's tailed off a little yeah. bit. And then it's like LeBron and AD are right up there, and it, you know, I, I have a feeling that only one of them is going to be in the top five, and I don't know which one it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, best player on best team is a very compelling argument for MVP. It's just exactly. which one is the best player. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, it's a very you know, limited... kind of saw it with the Warriors yeah. the last couple of years that, you know, Steph and KD kept taking votes from each other, and they weren't ever really going to be close to winning the MVP. Yeah, they never, finished, the they never finished top five even together, so... Yeah. I mean, LeBron and AD have finished top five together because they were on separate teams. So <laughs> we'll see how that happens. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, just we got to move on from this because there's just no deciding. It's it's too early. They're both so, so good. And uh, it's a good problem to have rather than deciding which of the young players you'd rather keep in a potential trade for Anthony Davis. Hopefully. The answer is none. Somehow that's still a thing that, that people talk about a lot. So. Hey, I'm okay with that. I feel like we could have given up more for Anthony Davis, and I would still be happy with it. I don't even, yeah, like, honestly. remember what we gave up in terms of draft assets. Like, it's just, it's... It's, it's just, like, all It's of escaped them. my mind because, like, I don't care anymore. Like, they're all going to be 29th or 30th picks. Yeah. Oh, I got to, I gotta, like, knock on wood or something. This is just, I'm getting over, <laughs> overexcited at this point. Okay. So... Uh, the Lakers have been relatively healthy this year, uh, setting aside, you know, some perimeter injuries that have, I don't know, kind of caused some issues. The game against the Clippers feels like it was the most pressing example of those. But Avery Bradley just came back from his hairline fracture, and he's currently on a minutes restriction, so the Lakers didn't start him against Orlando. They kept KCP in the starting lineup. 
And Frank Vogel, obviously very complimentary of what Avery Bradley brings to this team. I think he said it's no coincidence that we finally get Avery back and we hold a team under 90 points. Which, I mean, how much he has to do with it when he plays 15 minutes is beyond me. But <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment, Frank. Uh, do you think that Avery Bradley should go back into the starting lineup when he gets back to full health? Or has KCP done enough to take over that spot? This might low-key be a harder question to answer than last one. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of looked up some stuff, and I, my, my gut feeling was that I think Bradley's kind of earned the right to be the starting point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about really the team hanging its hat on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, you, you could argue that that's not as important anymore with the offense clicking the way it has been. Um, but to me, I think they're at their best when the defense is, you know, it's, it's really clicking. Um, and I think Bradley kind of gives you a much more stable uh, sort of player there. And KCP is a, a fine defender, but like Bradley doesn't, other than being short, he doesn't really have any weaknesses defensively. Um, and he can, he fights through screens better. He'll, yeah. Uh, um, and, and I think, you know, that, that chemistry with AD and, and uh, the centers, whether it's JaVale or Dwight, um, I think, I think Bradley has really shown that. Now, the one thing that, makes me pause is as great as every Bradley has been this year and he's far surpassed most of our expectations oh, yeah. um, coming off <laughs> coming off a really awful year last year um, his three-point shooting has been really bad mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know if he's going to be playing a significant portion of his minutes with LeBron and AD on the floor together um, as a starter he's going to really need to be knocking those down especially like the corner threes that he's been missing um, he's shooting 28% from three right now on less than three attempts a game. Um, so not a, it's not a crazy high sample. He's only played uh, 11 games or whatever. Right. Um, KCP, I think, gives you more of a two-way game just because he can knock down those threes. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in Orlando where I, I don't think KCP like, really played a great game. I think it was <laughs> I actually I tweeted it like during the second quarter I think that it was the worst game KCP's played in that <laughs> minute and then he went and like scored uh hit a bunch of clutch threes to really um take us home but um he gives you more of a two-way game I just personally I think my preference is kind of coming into the game playing lockdown defense mm-hmm. mucking it up and then you know, whoever closes is based on just whoever is playing better that, that night. Right. I mean, honestly, I feel like Caruso is probably the guy most of us want closing over KCP or Avery yeah. Bradley. Uh, but I'm just looking yeah. at, like, the if you keep the other four starters constant, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee, the lineups with Avery Bradley are so much better than the lineups with KCP. Uh, defensively, they're 15 points per possession better with Avery Bradley than they are with KCP and all the other four starters in place. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, tracks, right, <laughs> with the eye test, because uh, yeah, as much as I like the theory of KCP as a defender, it I never feel like his physical tools are being totally manifested on the defensive end of the court. Uh, yeah. And while it's definitely more fun to watch guys splash threes than it is watching Avery Bradley dribble into pull-up two-point jumpers, um, <laughs> sorry, I still have a lot of residue Avery Bradley anger from last year. It's <laughs> It's been a trying yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> the thing with this decision though is like I'm not sure it's entirely about which player is better you right. know because it's it's also about fit 
So we talked about yeah. how Anthony Davis kind of suffers from playing with those three-guard lineups like, you know, Rondo, Caruso, KCP. And KCP at least can be a backup three. He has the size mm-hmm. where you're not going to get burned by opposing second units because he's six foot five. Like, that's a perfectly legitimate small forward against backups. Yeah. If we throw Bradley into those second units, he has to be a backup one or two. He he just yeah. can't play small forward, which means either you're keeping Troy Daniels in those minutes and limiting Rondo and Caruso, or you know, you're just going aggressively small, and I don't know if that works outside of like Dallas, who seems to make it happen every year. But yeah. uh so that's the thing. Like I don't think I like Bradley's play better than KCP's necessarily, just because I think the spacing around LeBron and Anthony Davis is so important. Like, granted, the the defense is way better when Bradley's on the court, but the offense is almost like similarly better when KCP's on the court. Right. And just like positionally, I, I like that Rondo Caruso backcourt. I don't see how you can put Bradley next to them and sustain that three guard lineup. So yeah. just for fit, I think you kind of have to put Bradley back into the starting lineup. And then also, like you said, I don't think he's done anything to deserve being benched. You know, I don't think being injured is a good enough reason to not right. get his chance back. Because he he earned that spot in the preseason. He was way better than any of the other perimeter options, like Caruso included. So mm-hmm. as far as I can see, that's his spot to hold on to until he does something, you know, to get it taken away. The only thing is... KCP is one of those guys that gets so much more amplified when he plays around good players. Like, I yeah, almost worry definitely. if we would just completely be wasting him if he was not playing next to LeBron. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of those are <laughs> all of those are really good points. Um, and it's it becomes a lot harder to really match his minutes with LeBron based on how LeBron subs out. Mm-hmm. I guess the only real, real way would be to not have KCP play much until the second, like the start of the second quarter, basically coming off the bench. And I don't know if you want to do that. Um, the other thing about Bradley that I like, and I think I like him more with that starting lineup, um, he has a slightly better ability to kind of run like mm-hmm. a pick and roll every once in a while. Oh yeah, KCP. It, it's not. It's not going to be like an actual thing that's a part of the offense, but you know, LeBron drives in, kicks out and the defense isn't set. Uh, Avery Bradley can, you know, do something, uh, either go into his pull up twos that granted he's hitting, even though they're kind of annoying. At least he's hitting he's them. Hitting yes. them. Um, it, yeah. And, and, you know, he can pass a little bit better and, and all of that. Um, he's actually apparently averaging three assists a game, which is pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's it's really difficult, but I think just based off how the team played when Bradley was the starter and just kind of managing the defensive end more because I think there's enough talent on this team to, to get points mm-hmm. when they need it, um, especially between LeBron and AD and, and, and whatever they do. And I think Vogel's been pretty good about uh, changing up his lineups and, and trying to find good fitting ones even if like the three guard lineups are pretty iffy but he doesn't right. really have a choice um because i don't yeah. have wins um <laughs> but uh, yeah to me like right now it makes more sense for just going reverting back to what they were comfortable with to start the year and then 
you know, if a trade or a buyout or something happens, then then they're probably going to have to change that up a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I think I think we actually came up with an answer to this one that we didn't with the first one. I think we've settled on the fact that Avery yeah. Bradley should be the starter, which is just kind of sad because I thought I thought KCP's been playing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. No, he he definitely has, and especially since coming into the starting lineup, which kind of makes it more difficult to take him out of it. But um, I don't know. It just I think it just makes more sense. Yeah, and like preseason, KCP was my pick to start, just because I thought that he would look pretty useless on second units, which kind of bore out to start yeah. the season. Um, it's one of those things where like. Even when Dwight was playing really well, I thought it was important to start JaVale because it seems to mean a lot to him to be in the starting lineup. And I think KCP kind of functions yeah. similarly. Like, the mental game with him is almost half the battle because when he mm-hmm. was the starter that first year that he came to the Lakers, he shot, like, 38% on threes that first season. And even, like, including the whole Jailbird stint, you know, he's still a pretty effective player. Um, yeah. And then last year, we just sort of lost him for a while because... I think it matters to him to feel valued. So I would hope that the culture within this locker room is strong enough that he feels valued even if he's coming off the bench because, like, we bring some good players off the bench, you know. Like, Rondo's important, Caruso's important, Dwight's important. Uh, Kuzma, obviously, is important. So him being one of those guys that comes off the bench I don't think is reflective of him not performing. I just got the the egos. They worry me. (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, he's shooting fifty-two percent from the field and forty-six percent from three when he's pretty good this year, or at least at least in this last yeah. rush that he's been starting um, with Bradley out. So, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully, just putting him in the right lineups, uh, trying to uh, match his minutes as much mm-hmm. as possible with LeBron. Um, I think that should be enough to hopefully keep keep that stretch going um more than anything i think he just needed to get his confidence up after a really really bad start to the year so i think i think they'll be okay and and like you said there's a you know a pretty good culture Mm -hmm. so far it seems um and you know winning obviously helps that but there's a lot of a lot of good veterans a lot of uh former champions or finals players or whatever on the team and they seem to really have each other's back so i think i think he'll be he'd be okay um god i can't believe i've come to the point where i'm advocating for avery bradley to start for this team it's so strange (laughs) genuinely did not think that was possible like in my wildest dreams i was like maybe situationally like Avery Bradley will still be able to mm-hmm. play a little bit of defense, maybe hit a three every once in a while, but I never thought he'd be such a key cog to uh, defense that was, I think, until he got injured the number one Yeah, it's pretty league, nuts. So it's pretty <laughs> yeah, when uh, yeah. KCP comes off the bench, he's shooting 35% from the field and 20% from three. So, <laughs> ah, that's a big gap. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm not going to worry about we it. We should have kept I'm that gonna... to ourselves after. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, I mean, for this upcoming game against Miami, obviously KCP's, I think, going to continue to start because I assume Bradley is on a continued minutes restriction. So right. we'll see yeah, how it that like wears itself out. It but just looking ahead real quick, the Lakers play in Miami. A uh, couple streaks on the line because the Lakers are undefeated outside of Staples Center and Miami is undefeated at the American Airlines Arena. Which one breaks tonight? <laughs> Oof, good question. Um, I think 
I think Miami's. Oh, I lose. did not think that uh, was going that they're, way. They're pretty. They're. Uh, I mean, like they're they're really good, and Jimmy Butler scares mm-hmm. the living crap out of me. Um, especially if like Vogel makes the mistake of having somebody like KCP guard him, like right. he did with Kawhi uh, in the first game. He's a guy that could really, really kill them, and he killed the Lakers last year because of that. Um, but they're they're pretty banged up. I think uh, Justice Winslow is not supposed to play. Dragic right. isn't supposed to play. And I think there's one. I think it was just waiters on the injury report, which uh, is to yeah. be expected at this point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not as scared of Miami as I was actually the first time the Lakers played them, uh, just because I don't know what yeah. it is. Generally, when the Lakers do this Florida road trip, it's always a back-to-back with Orlando and Miami, and I'm so grateful that there's a day of rest in between. Like, clearly, they're just enjoying the hell out yeah. of Miami, first of all. <laughs> but I think that'll definitely help, because we have, you know, an, an older team and needs days off. And I don't think, uh, I don't think none is as my, scary my. as he was at the start of the season, like... I think the book's kind of out on him. He just doesn't pass yeah. ever. Um, and then without... Dun- Duncan Robinson is definitely <laughs> hitting 10 threes. Though. That's a thing. Like, that's that's going to happen. That's a really good point. Uh, the Lakers do not defend the three as well as I would hope for. And uh, oof. So, I mean, I actually had no idea who Duncan Robinson was, like, maybe three weeks ago. And I just had to pick him up for my fantasy team. Oh, baby, that's been fun. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the Cavs coach that was Googling I did not him on, see that. on the bench a few weeks ago? Yeah. He was going off against Cleveland against his former coach at oh Michigan. And they were Googling him on the bench. It was Yeah, I, I think I like might have referred to him as like Denard Robinson when I saw D. Robinson, but that's a different Michigan guy, like a very <laughs> different Michigan guy. All right. Well, there you have it. Hani says that the Lakers are gonna win in Miami, so that would make thirteen road games in a row, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, I, saw, I saw Michael Thompson tweeting about smoking Cuban. So like, I feel like the Michael Thompson the has such a good, good vibe. Right it's incredible. He's so positive <laughs> all the time, and the fact that the Lakers are able to like back him up now is just remarkable. Uh, Michael yeah. Thompson deserves a good Lakers team. We all deserve a good Lakers team. And yeah, I'm happy for me that the Lakers are good, but I'm way it's happier for Michael just Thompson. The goat the Twitter account, truly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, This has been the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Make sure to subscribe uh, for shows on the Lakers every day of the week and have a good weekend.